This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, as promised then, this week we've got a special guest on the No Name Ever podcast. We promised that we'd interview Claret's Legend as part of our Kickstarter. And we've got Stephen Caldwell on the line with us from Canada. Stephen, how are you doing? I'm doing not too bad, thank you. It's uh, a little bit wet and rainy here in Canada today, so it's, it makes the commute a little bit longer, but I'm good apart from that. And for, for those who've not followed your career in the last couple of years, what have you been up to since... Uh, retiring from football what are you doing right now well I left Birmingham uh, and I came to play for TFC for those who don't know in MLS and I played for a couple of years and then my legs were played up a bit and I felt it was time to retire and I was I was lucky enough to have an opportunity to work with the parent organisation of Toronto FC uh, called Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment so I now, uh, I now work uh, at Air Canada Centre which is the major arena in, in the city of Toronto and our, uh, our teams include Toronto Maple Leafs, Toronto Raptors, TFC, which obviously I focus on, and I, I kind of run grassroots partnerships and some different things for TFC from a business and technical standpoint. One of our regular podcast panelists, James, is really into his, his hockey, and he insisted that we ask you if you've managed to get into hockey during your time <laughs> in Canada. Yeah, I do. I like the hockey, actually. Obviously, like I said, we own the Toronto Maple Leafs, and it's really exciting time for the Maple Leafs. They are a huge part of the NHL. Hockey is obviously very, very important in Canada and it is the number one sport. So the Maple Leafs are on this rebuilding process and they've had an amazing year. They're probably going to make the playoffs, which is earlier than, than most people expected. So it's a very exciting time to be in, in Toronto and in Canada and obviously part of the organisation uh, that, that owns the Maple Leafs. I'm sure James will be delighted <laughs> you're a, a <laughs> hockey convert. I saw my first game, actually. I went to see the Islanders when I was in New York before Christmas. How and, was it? Who uh, did they play? They're not a very good team. Put it that no, way, they're not. It was, it was interesting. I've never really been in hockey, but it was a really interesting spectacle. Um, we'll come back on to football, though. Um, we saw on social media earlier in the season that you had a visit to Turf Mall. We were pictured with Wade Elliott. Have you managed to see... Much of the Clarets this season in the Premier League? Uh, yeah, I have. I'm lucky enough to work for the, the sports network here called TSN. Uh, so I cover all Premier League games and I've obviously co- covered a, a number of Burnley's matches this season. So I've been lucky. I can I get to watch them most weeks and, and follow them and, uh, and you know, keep a close eye. It's been a, a good season. It was nice to be at Turf Moor, obviously. Wade and I went along with my brother and my dad when I was home at Christmas time, and it was uh, it was a great experience to be back there. Not the best of games, but 
Uh, Burnley got a late goal to beat Middlesbrough 1-0, which was always pleasing to, to see Burnley win. Been, they've been tremendous. They have a distinctive style. It's obviously get the ball forward quickly and everybody knows their responsibility to, to come round that target man, whether it be Sam Volks or Ashley Barnes, to kind of uh, collapse in behind him and, and pick up second balls. And, and the pace of Gray has been, been important in most games that I've seen. And yeah, what I love is that they're, they're really, you know, they know what they are and they know what they're trying to do. And that's testament to the manager, Sean Dyche who has them set up like that. They have a, a good goalkeeper, a very, very good centre-half, a settled back four. They're, they're an impressive team to watch and, and they do things properly. Um, and a lot of teams could learn from the way that they've sort of tackled the Premier League this time. It's, it's a different approach, isn't it? The way the way Dash sets the team up compared especially to, to Owen Coyle's Burnley in that Premier League season. Dash seems to be very focused on keeping things tight and making sure his team are in the game. Yeah, we were we were very swashbuckling. Obviously, <laughs> we had attacking players. We were open. We scored goals. We conceded goals. We were a very exciting team to watch. Um, obviously, Sean has realised that in the Premier League, it's really difficult to play like that with the gap in finances between the top, or oh, definitely top six, seven, probably the top fifteen when it comes to to Burnley. So he's did it the right way, in my opinion. He's, you know, it's sometimes it's a bit difficult to watch, but it's about survival and it's about winning games and picking up points. And he's doing a tremendous job of that. And like I say, it's as a football player, it's always nice to know what your what's expected of you and what your role and responsibilities are, because that's that's what you need. You need that clarity when you go out there, what your manager wants and what your teammates expect. And to a man, they have that, and that's what I respect about this team and, and about the, the leadership and management skills of Sean Dyche. Sure. We we mentioned uh, your visit to Turf Moor before Christmas that you were with Wade Elliott. Are you still in touch with any of the other lads from your time at Burnley? Do you get together uh, at all? Only really Wade. I'm uh, not really in touch with a lot of the guys. Sometimes I speak to Blakey. Um, yeah, it's kind of difficult to stay in touch, especially across here. I have no doubt that if I bumped into any of them tomorrow, it would feel like we were together yesterday. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really close with a number of the guys uh, just because of the experiences and, and things that we went through. So, you know, Graham Alexander's doing magnificently well at Scunthorpe. He's, a, you know, a guy I respect a great deal. And I'm sure that if I ever needed or wanted advice I'd pick up the phone and he'd be, he'd be there on the phone or he'd call me back immediately so I'd consider him a close friend obviously Duffo and uh, and Blakey and Stevie Jordan and I were extremely close when we were there and uh, and we um, you know we would probably pick up where we left off but to a man honestly I have so much respect for the guys I was lucky enough to lead them but just a fantastic bunch of men and an easy squad to be part of and, and a special experience. People people always say this, don't they, but the, the team spirit seemed particularly strong that season. Burnley were obviously up against it. They came from nowhere a little bit to win promotion. Yeah, I've never experienced anything like it. I've never known so many strong characters in a dressing room. Um, really, Owen was great. Steve started, Cotterell started the whole thing and and recruited a lot of the players and sort of set us up in our shape and our kind of mindset. And then Owen came in and, and kind of took it to another level, gave us that freedom, you know, really had the knowledge and, and the, the sort of sense to see what kind of people we were and kind of let us go with it, let us run with it. He knew we were good good guys and good pros. And uh, like I say, so many leaders, Clarkey, Graham Alexander, uh, Robbie Blake, Stevie Jordan, Brian Jensen, Wade Elliott, 
the list goes on. You know, a couple do a couple of younger guys. Martin Patterson kind of coming into his own uh, when he first came. Chris Eagles developing. Jay Rodriguez being young, starting to pick up more and more minutes. Uh, Chris McCann in the midfield. It's you know a, r- a ridiculous uh, group of players and, and a real pleasure to an honour to captain that team. You know, anybody could have been captain. There could have been six or seven captains of that team. So the fact that I was chosen to be captain was was always uh, special to me and, uh, you know, I always appreciated that and, and uh, tried to lean on everybody help, to help me and obviously to make sure that we were on course um, and had the right mentality every time we, we stepped in the training field or, or on the pitch. I'm going to put you on the spot now with a, another question from James. He wants to know, who would you say the best player you played with during your time at Burnley was? Oh, the best player? Oh, that's really tough. I think... I think Blakey was one of the most talented. Robbie Blake was one of the most talented could players I ever own, played. He? Yeah, he was he was unbelievable, and his touch was just amazing. He was two footed. He could finish. He was he was clever. He picked up little spaces. He was just really a, an unbelievable football player. And I felt like I got to see the best part of his career as well, or play with him in the best part of his career, which was again really special. It was uh, everything came together and. Owen and him had a really close relationship, so Owen got the absolute best out of, out of Robbie Blake uh, off that left-hand side, and you know he had that chop turn where he could go either way, and defenders knew that. You know he was very comfortable to go down his left-hand side or his right, so he would definitely be up there. Um, it was nice to watch Chris Eagles develop. Uh, I felt like he he really developed at Burnley. He came obviously as a sort of bit part reserve player and he got to play you know regular minutes and that was nice to see him develop and and Wade I played with Wade twice I played with him at Birmingham as well and he's a very close friend of mine but he really was such a talented football player he could play in a number of positions and he was so smart and uh, intelligent and could see a pass and in the early days he was a, a wide guy very dynamic could cross you know put in magnificent crosses in the box so I always put Wade, I'd probably put Wade in my, my all-time teammate 11 uh, because of his qualities and, and possibly Blakey as well. I think we're going to come on to something similar to that uh, a bit later, but talking generally about the, the promotion season, as I mentioned, it came absolutely out of nowhere. Burnley weren't tipped among the contenders at all. What, what was it like to be a part of that? The momentum just seemed to build all the way throughout the season. Yeah, I love how you said that momentum and, and building because that's exactly how it felt. You know, I think maybe the first time I thought about it was in October or November um, when I was in the car and I was driving to the stadium. I lived east side of Manchester, so I had a sort of an hour drive to the stadium and I was heading to a game and I just thought, we're going to do something special here. I just had that feeling that, that something was coming and... You know, I'd lucky. I was lucky enough to have won a championship before with Sunderland, so I kind of knew what it felt like to win and to be part of that team. And I just felt this team was really special. It had some some attributes that are normally in winning teams, and that was the first I thought of it. And then we'd have different spells where it would get a little bit sticky, and you know, we'd lose a few games and we'd drop a little bit. But I always felt we had that potential. The, the cup runs really helped us. Um, there were two tremendous cup runs. We were losing at the Emirates to Arsenal in the last 16 of the FA Cup, where we had beaten them in the, the League Cup. don't know what it was called at the time, obviously, where we, we got to semi-finals and lost to Tottenham. But we had beat Arsenal in that run. And when they got to us in the FA Cup, they were like, we're not going to treat these guys lightly. They played a strong team and they, they gave a great performance on the day and beat us 3-0. So 
again, we learned a lot. We were we were a good team in terms of learning. We always sort of took our defeats well and, and picked up important um, pointers for the defeats and, and took it forward. So the cup runs helped. When we got to the playoffs, um, the game against Bristol to get into the playoffs was important that we had to win it. Um, it sort of gave us that uh, mentality, like, you know, last game mentality and... Uh, when we got in the playoffs, we were outstanding. I don't think we lost a goal in the last, uh, what, four games? Maybe five, no, four games. So to get clean sheets for us was kind of difficult because <laughs> we were open. So four clean sheets in a row and, and some of the football we played, some of the, we rode our luck. Reading at home and the, the first leg of the semi-final, we were poor and we, we rode our luck. We won 1-0 and again, driving back to my home, I was thinking, we can't play any worse and we're 1-0 up going into the second leg and I just... I had such a strong belief that we were going to win that it would, it would sometimes panic me. It was just that feeling of trust in my teammates and, and, and belief that we were going to do it. You mentioned the, the, the League Cup run there. I think from the perspective of a lot of supporters, it, it felt like it not just gave the players belief that they could beat anyone, but missing out on getting to the final, did that fuel you at all to then get to Wembley in the playoffs, or did that not come into it? Um... I don't think it came into it. I, it was a bit painful for me the semi final because I missed both legs because of two separate suspensions. So it was it was really heartbreaking to not play in, in such a big game. I, the first one I think I had a sending off, so I missed that one. And then the second one I picked up a booking and a uh, third round replay of the FA Cup. I'm sure it was QPR and. I was mouthing at the ref like I normally did and he gave me a yellow and I, I wasn't even thinking. I was so mad at myself. I was like, I realised what had happened and I was trying to plead with him before he got his card out and it was too late. Uh, Mike Jones, I'll never forgive him for that actually, <laughs> but I probably deserved it. And um, and so I missed the second leg and I was devastated to, to not be part of it. But um, I was lucky enough to work for television that night and, and watch the game for the for the you know the, the side of the stadium and the studio and um, what an outstanding performance! Like to know that you had to score three goals against a team like Tottenham and to kind of go about it the way we did and methodically and the goals came at the right times and it was just such a exhilarating night that. I think the disappointment was obviously there in the change room after. Um, the disappointment was there for the guys. Everybody's thinking they could have been walking out at Wembley, but it just gave us that belief that we could compete with anybody. And again, I have to compliment Owen. The gaffer was always the one that would tell us that on our day we could beat anybody, especially at home. And we just believed that. We absolutely believed it, and we, we proved it a number of times. Coming on to the, the playoff final itself then, captaining your team at Wembley must be so special to start with, but what what do you remember about the day itself? Does it go back in a blur or do you have like distinct memories of it? Well, again, I, I always I never try to um rate my my sort of accomplishments and victories in my career, but the more the longer uh, it goes on that I'm retired, I, I think about that day and I I think if I'm truly honest or I'm on my deathbed, I'd have to choose that day because it was so special. And um, it was for a number of reasons. You know, we kind of woke up in the morning. We were staying at our typical hotel because the gaffer was so superstitious. We had to stay at this hotel that was 40 minutes away from him. It was just ridiculous. You know, everybody stays close. We're miles away. We go, we visit Wembley the night before and we just kind of become acclimatised to the place. Uh, most of us had never been to Wembley or, or the new Wembley for sure. I, I'd, lucky enough, I'd been to Wembley, but never the new Wembley. 
And um, we wake up in the morning and go down for breakfast. And again, I just had such a strong feeling of we can't lose this game. I've, I've, I've never really felt it in my career. I've felt it two or three times in 18 years. And I woke up that, that morning, I got down and Blakey was joking and the lads were winding each other up and having a laugh. And everybody was so relaxed that I checked myself because I thought, you know, I don't like to feel that confident. I like to, you know, assess the the whole day game, how I can, you know, pick somebody up, go to somebody else, calm somebody down. That's my role as a captain. And on that day, I was like, I had a feeling that we just can't lose this game. And we, we got in the bus, we got to the stadium. We were late because we were so far away and traffic was bad. <laughs> <laughs> and again, no, no um, anxiety, just no pressure. Everybody just joking on the bus, having a laugh, you know, just kind of being really relaxed and calm. Um, and then getting out there in the field uh, was amazing. It was, you know, difficult not to let the kind of experience uh, overwhelm you or become like, you know, trying to focus on a game is very difficult when you're part of such a spectacle like that. It's, it's, about, it's always about the game and about what your responsibilities are on the park on that game and, and it's difficult at a place like Wembley and with such magnitude and how important it would have been for Burnley and obviously for each of us as players to, to win that game but somehow we went out there we, we, we never actually played that well I felt it was one of our worst performances in, in you know weeks leading up to that game but we scored a, an amazing goal through Wade and we defended really really well and um when the final whistle went the the you know the emotion that I went through that everybody went through was just incredible I, I fell in the turf and, and broke down crying and um, it was just an amazing experience and you know then to walk these steps and everything that came, the, the, the sort of tour around uh, Burnley City Centre was unbelievable I've never experienced anything like that and I did it with Sunderland and I guess it was probably more people on the tour when I did it with Sunderland but it just felt really special with Burnley, it was it was like everybody in the town or the city were were out that day and, and, and even from outlying villages and stuff had came into the city centre to, to see us paraded on this bus and uh, yeah, it's it's I get kinda of emotional thinking back about it. it was I can special. imagine. There was a, a lot of tears in the stand that day, I can tell you. Um, a question from Natalie now. did the crowd help you get over the line at all? Was so many more extra people there? Do you, are you able to feel, feed off that? And it's quite tense as well. So, did you feel any of that? No, I never felt tension. Clarkie was outstanding. The two of us had really good games. Clarkie was magnificent. Think about man in the match. Um, so we were focused on our job. And yeah, of course you feed off the crowd, but you have to be careful as a football player. You have to kind of remain in that moment and in that game. And it's easy to get kind of overwhelmed or confused by everything that's going on round about you. And so we're trying to just kind of stay in the game. I was trying to stay in the game and stay focused and just, you know, a little five-minute spells, ten-minute spells. And it started to become a little bit like we weren't getting bombarded, but it was we were under a lot of pressure. We were getting, you know, further and further back. But again, a real confidence that we just were not going to concede a goal. We were just we were playing really well. And it was our time. I really believe in fate. And it was our time to, to win. It was... Um, it was just going to happen and that was the feeling, that was the mentality we had and I always say, I still say it to this day, a team that believes like that are, are always so dangerous because it's almost like they can't get beat, you know, and I just felt that with that team. 
you mentioned Clark there. We interviewed Clark a few years ago on the podcast, actually. He told us that working under Coyle, diet and preparation was um, different, shall we say, to, <laughs> to other managers with iron brew and sweets at the training and stuff. How did it compare for you, working with Owen, <laughs> compared to well, the other managers you work with? I have an unbelievable relationship with Owen. Um, we don't talk as much as we used to, but we were extremely close uh, when I was there and then at different times when he even moved moved on. Uh, so, you know, I, what can I say? Basically, Steve Cotterell revitalised my career. He gave me a new, a new direction and I'll always be grateful and thankful to him for that, for his belief in me and, and bringing me to this football club. When... To be br- brutally honest, I didn't really want to leave Sunderland. I didn't really want to come to Burnley. I was I was a bit unsure about it being the right club, and I went with a gut feeling. I went there because of Steve Cottrell and because of what he said to me and his his need to get me there and his um, his persuasion, you know. And and when I signed, uh, I never looked back. And like I say, Owen came in and and really him and I created or or, or had a very special relationship and. Um, he gave me a lot of belief and and he allowed me to just go and be me and he knew what I was about he knew what my strengths were and he allowed me to go and you know lead a group of guys and and obviously you know I was a half decent player but it was about my leadership skills that made me important to any football club that I ever played and he he sensed that and he he gave me the license to go and do what was needed after the promotion then, the adjustment to the Premier League, what was that like? There was obviously the magnificent win against Manchester United early in the season, but Burnley's openness that you've talked about it seemed like we were maybe a bit naive at times during that season. Do you think the club was really ready for the Premier League? Uh, well, no, I don't think we we were ready for the Premier League. I think that it was a huge shock and I think, you know, obviously to survive in Premier League, Mostly, you need to spend uh, vast amounts of money, and, and we didn't have vast amounts of money. Um, we brought in a couple of little pieces, and I think some. I think Fletcher was a fantastic signing. Um, Kevin McDonald, a young guy who was kind of in and out, but had great potential. Um, Try to think who else. Andre BK. Uh, yeah, Andre was a bit of a strange one. We couldn't really find a position for him. I think he was expected to come in at centre half and. He played some games there. He played in central midfield uh, with Greza or uh, with Wade and, at times. So we were kind of a little bit up and down. And again, for me, it was a horrible season because I was injured. I, uh, I tore my uh, stomach muscle and I played for Scotland and Norway. And I missed about six weeks and I just couldn't get better from that. And so I had an injection because my whole pelvic area was, was a mess. And I had an injection to play and I played about 10 games and then... I um, I ruptured my adductor against, I actually did it against Arsenal and I remember doing it and I thought I could have just tweaked it and I sort of trained a little bit and went into Wolves game which was live on telly with with a niggle, I thought it was a niggle but it was a tear in my adductor and I had to come off, I was just done, I couldn't move, it was was a nightmare and um, I missed three, four months and so it was strange because I was the leader and I was the captain and I had to you know, put a face on it and pick people up and do that job. But personally, I was like in a bad place. I was I'd waited all this time to get back and and be with a team and uh, that I, you know that I loved and I couldn't play and I couldn't help on the field. So it was difficult. It really was. And I I 
100% believe, and I'll never change, that if Owen had stayed, we would have stayed up. I think we would have found victories against the, the teams that we had, you know, coming in the last few months that would have uh, that would have been enough. I think when Owen left, we might have been in 14th or something like that. Um, so I'm, I've no doubt that would have happened. Um, and I think that, and no disrespect to Brian Laws, but I don't think it was a great choice to bring in Brian after Owen. It's nothing against Brian and his. Well, uh, that's a controversial statement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I don't. Uh, I'm not here to like slaughter anybody. Yeah, and it's yeah, nothing against Brian. It's just Owen was chalk and Brian was cheese, and and it was like it was too big a a difference too quickly. It would have been better to bring in somebody else who was attack minded and positive, uh, and and Brian was more defensively minded and wanted more a kind of maybe a Sean Dyche type uh, team. So it was just too big a shock and tried to change too much and uh, too quickly and it really affected us it really we lost our direction we didn't really know what we were what we were trying to do after being told with this very positive manager to you know go out and 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 go at teams and you can beat anybody at home it was more about like stay in the game and try and try and not get beat and this kind of stuff and it was it was not the right message for that group of players um talking about Owen's Owen's departure it obviously had a, a really big impact it was the the man who brought all the players together, instilled the belief, um, and led the club into the Premier League. It must have been um, huge when he walked out. What what was it like to be part of that group of players at that time? Um, it was difficult. Uh, I think that I think he could have went to Celtic, or pretty much no, he could have went to Celtic in the summer when we won the playoff final. Um, and the fact that he never went. You know, was sort of indication to me that he was going to stay. So I was, I was sure that he was going to stay, certainly for that full season. Uh, after rejecting Celtic, which was a difficult one for him to turn down, I know how much he loves that club. Uh, and you know, it's, it's when Celtic ask you to go, if you're from a certain background, and and I, I am, it's difficult to say no. You, you, you almost have to go. And he said no, and I thought, right, he's completely committed to to this team and these guys, and. Then Bolton came up and, you know, again, it was just really difficult. He had a connection with Bolton. They were an established club. He was obviously going to get paid handsomely and get some resources to, to really go for it. And I don't blame him one little bit. I don't... Um, there's things that he did that I think he could have... Um, he could have looked after some players a little bit better and, and, and could have been um, a wee bit more open. But he did it and I've, I've never... Uh, Never had a grudge or never had anything against him for that. It was it was the right move for him and his career at that time, but it left us a little bit confused and and unsure. And I was very close with Steve Davis, and I think they should have gave him the job uh, unless they had an absolutely outstanding candidate who was going to come in. And again, absolutely no disrespect to Brian, but I don't think he was an absolutely outstanding candidate at that time. And Do you think Steve so, was maybe expecting to be offered the job? It seemed a bit of a surprise yeah. when he went to Bolton. Yeah, I think Steve was was very hopeful that he would get the job. I think he should have been maybe a little bit more aggressive and trying to pursue the job. Uh, I'm sure he'll tell you that as well. If if you spoke to him, he, he probably could have had it if he really went for it. Um, and I think he was probably a little a little slighted and disappointed when he didn't get it. Uh, and Brian came in and. Brian obviously brought his own guys, and Steve was still, would still maybe have been there, or I'm sure he would have been there, but. He decided to go with Owen, which was another another loss for us as well. And uh, and all of a sudden, we found ourselves with you know without our uh, leadership team 
the captain, me, I was injured uh, with my groins and really was like, I felt like my career might be over because I couldn't get out of bed. I had to crawl out of bed. I had such bad pelvic problems. and So I was kind of dealing with my own stuff and we, we didn't really have direction and, and we, we really drastically changed our mindset and the way that we were approaching games. Um, obviously, the end of that season had a disappointing end with relegation for starters and that's when you left the club as well would you have wanted to stay or do you think it was the right time to move on um i would have stayed um i would have been unsure about staying with brian i started to realize that i was probably going to be leaving uh you know brian and i certainly didn't have the relationship that owen and i had um and it often happens managers want their own guys in their own captains and completely understand that it's happened to me a number of times which I have no regrets about because I was lucky enough to be captain at most teams I played for so what happens is when the manager changes they normally want their own guy in who they who they feel they can trust and who's behind them so I knew it was kind of coming I was on you know a decent salary and that was obviously going to change the, the, the wage structure was going to change so um yeah no no hard feelings at all about that um Maybe I don't think it was time to go. I would have stayed at Burnley for yeah, I probably would have stayed a long time. Maybe my whole career. I was not not de- yeah, I wasn't desperate to go to the club or anything. It was um, I'd let people down the season before in the Premier League because of my injuries. You know, whatever, however they come, I always feel like you let people down when you're not fit to play. So I wanted to prove you know the player that I was and the person that I was. I, I wanted to get back and get back playing uh, every week, and I'd rather that was at Burnley. But the, the the offer never came for a contract. Fine, I moved on, and I went to Wigan, which was a wonderful experience as well. Um, earlier in your career, as well, you, you played for both Newcastle and Sunderland. That's really rare for for that to happen. Yeah, and then scored the yeah. goal that sent Sunderland into the Premier League as well. What was that time in your career like? That was amazing as well. It was probably yeah, you know, close to Burnley that, that season. Um it was phenomenal. It was you know, I was at Newcastle and, and uh Bobby liked me, but I don't think Bobby was ever going to make me a regular starter and we'd sign six million pounds centre half and I'd be back three places and I'd fight back up there and I'd play some games and I'd be back again and so I was always going to be a bit part player and I probably could have played the game and stayed and had a career at Newcastle playing 10, 15, 20 games a year, but I didn't want that. I wanted to be in the team every week. So, you know, that summer I tried to go and I almost went to Sport in Lisbon, which would have been a, an amazing move for me. I was uh, I was really close to signing for Sport in Lisbon and in the end it didn't quite happen. They, they went for somebody else. So I was devastated. I was sure it was going to happen. And then I kind of had to sign an extra year with Newcastle and nothing really else. And they... they they squeezed me a little bit and I signed and I was right out the picture, out the team. Um, and I, then I started to really speak seriously to a number of teams. And, and Mick was one of the first that came on the phone and said, I'd love to have you at Sunderland. And Mick and I would speak, uh, you know, often. And, and, and obviously there was an opportunity to go there on a free contract. Um, I went to Leeds on loan, which was confusing because I wanted to go to Sunderland on loan. And play for five months and then sign the free con- the the, um, the contract the free agency contract, but it, Mick couldn't make it happen. It was about money and stuff. And Leeds came in and I uh, took the opportunity to go to Leeds. Great experience under Eddie Gray with with some of the guys and, and to have played for that club again is a huge honour for me. Uh, 
it's a football club that's very traditional. I love it. It was uh, a great experience. We unfortunately got relegated, but it was the first time I'd played every single week, you know, for 17, 18 games. Um, set me up nicely to, to go to Sunderland. It was a difficult move, there's no doubt about it. It's, it's hard to move from Newcastle to Sunderland. I, I think it's harder for Geordies or, or people from Sunderland. So it's really... It was a wee bit easier for me. I was, I think the Newcastle fans really respected that I just wanted to play. Um, I got a bit of stick, but nothing too bad. When I had bad games for Sunderland, I'd get a lot of stick for Sunderland fans. Oh, he's a Newcastle man and this kind of stuff. So, but I had thick skin. I could kind of take that stuff. And I love that football club. I love them both equally. And I don't know if anybody else can say that in world football that uh, I have no, I'm not partial to one or the other it's just I just love football in that area it's intense it sets you up for life and where I am now is, is a growing football city but it'll never be like it is in the northeast where it's your life this is a hockey town and it will always be a hockey town and when you play for one of the teams you you're really privileged to be able to pull on these shirts and to represent the people uh, who go to work every day just to get to Saturday to have a few beers and come to the game and support their team and uh, the magnitude of that was never lost to me and I think both the set of fans appreciate how important that was for me and uh, again I always look at their scores Burnley, Newcastle, uh, Sunderland teams I played for and they'll always be special uh, A question from Natalie now about Derby days, you scored for Burnley against Blackburn in the Premier League didn't you but how, how does the East Lancashire Derby compare to other big derbies you played in during your career? Um it was a great. The first one was a great experience. The one at Ewood Park that I played in was was phenomenal. It was um, it was really quite strange. You know, we had to go to the stadium and we would, you know, they they shut the motorway down. It was. <laughs> I was like, God, this is quite. Uh, this is quite <laughs> spicy. It's funny when I came. I have to tell this story. When I came to Toronto, we were we were heading to Portland to play, and the guys on the bus were saying, "You're going to love this. This is some experience. This is, you know." really a red hot atmosphere and I'm on the way, I'm on the bus and you know, there's a few fans at the side of the road sort of swearing or giving the thumbs yeah. down and the guys are like, told you and I said, guys, <laughs> I once went to a game where they shut the highway down <laughs> because people would throw bricks at the bus for the overpass, you know, I said. <laughs> so I told them a few stories and they were their jaws were open but yeah, it was, it was a great day. I mean, the result was disappointing uh, but we started so well and Blakey, I think it was Blakey that scored. Wade drove forward and gave it to Blakey in the left and he hit that rasper past Robinson. And um, Yeah, a, a good experience. Unfortunately, when you lose, it's never quite the same in the memory. And, but that was the only one I played in. The other one I never actually played in. I think, I don't know if I was on the bench or if I was left out, but it was um, that was a disappointing one because that was that real uncertain time at Burnley when... Brian was there, might have been in the march or something, and it was just, uh, yeah, it was not a good feeling. I think we lost it one now. You probably able to tell me better, but um, it was, um, it wasn't a great game. It wasn't a great day. We weren't our usual selves. We didn't go and attack them and go for them like we used to do. So it was that was a really disappointing day for me. Um, another question from from Natalie now. Burnley's Michael Keane is a twin. He's talked about the rivalry between himself and his brother Will. Was there any of that between yourself and Gary? What was it like uh, growing up with another footballer in the family? It was amazing because we always had 
somebody to pass the ball with and practice and learn and it was we're still extremely close we talk nearly every single day even though we're in different continents so um, yeah it was it was really special uh, to grow up with him there's always that rivalry you're always pushing each other which is again I think is really important and it helps you get to where we had the, have the careers that we had and and to achieve what we did so um that's always there, but we're, we're extremely close. I was, um, to, to you know, we started at Newcastle and we played reserves and youth team together, but we never got to play in the first team together. And then we managed to play for Scotland together, which was and still is, you know, the first brothers in 55 years or something like that, and probably like 65 years now, actually. Um, so it was a long time um, and it was an amazing experience. We did it for the 21s, which was which was uh, history, and then we did it for the main team. Um, but I still wanted to play in a you know a normal game with them. So when the opportunity to play for Wigan came up, it was mainly because of Gary. I wanted to go there because I thought, yeah, we're going to play some games together. And he was injured with his hips at the time, so I was a pretty good replacement for him. I was reasonably similar to him as a player, so I thought I could go, I could help the guys. You know, play some games. I needed a season where I trained every day, and I, you know, I played some games. And Roberto and Wigan gave me that opportunity, and Gary and I managed to play. I don't know how many, three, two, three, four uh, Premier League games together, uh, which was phenomenal. Another amazing experience, and it was a one-year thing. And I realised I learned a lot about myself. Roberto taught me a lot about the game, a lot about what I wanted from the game. He's a magnificent teacher, magnificent coach um, and a guy who really challenges you to think about the game and I'd never thought about the game that deeply before so I'll always uh, be thankful to him for that that experience and I learned about myself that I uh, I wanted to play, I wanted to play every week and it didn't matter if I got to Man United or Wigan or whoever, if I wasn't the man and I wasn't playing every week it just didn't feel like uh, complete as a as a professional footballer so I left I thanked him and I left and I went to Birmingham and, and got to play again uh, I know we're running out of time but a couple more questions just quickly on Keane obviously he's a centre back you were very good defender in your time he's recently got into the England team how far do you think he can go what do you make of Keane? I like him a lot I love how uh, how calm he is and how simple he is they're my favourite kind of centre halves I know uh, we have some very talented centre halves who are uh, you know, flamboyant and whatever, but I like how Michael Keane's solid and positionally good, very good in the air, you know, has that presence about him and just plays the thing simple. Uh, again, got a great coach and Sean, he played the position, he knows the game, um, you know, teaches him very well and allows him, allowed him to develop to the player that he is now. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for Burnley to keep a hold of him, he's that good. I could see him playing for one of the top teams very soon. Um, and I hope that I hope he makes the right choice when he does that. If if that's the right decision for him to leave Burnley, I hope he makes the right choice and he goes somewhere where again he's going to develop. I think like you, he understands that games is is what matters. You need to play. Yeah, to develop. that's what I'm trying to say. So when he goes, when he leaves, which is inevitable, really. Let's be honest. If he keeps developing, when he goes, he has to go to the right place for him where he's going to play and where he's he's going to be appreciated for the player that he is. So. I'm sure that um, he seems like a smart lad. I don't know him personally, but he seems like a smart lad. He'll, he'll make the right decision at the right time and 
everybody should get behind that decision if and when it comes and, and thank him for his service to the football club. A, a question now from Kevin about the, the last couple of years in your career. You went to MLS. What was that like? How does that move come about? What's the, the standard like? What are the differences to playing in English football? Uh, well, I was at Birmingham and I'd had a great fourth year under Chris Hutton, uh, another tremendous manager, and I'm, I'm pleased that he's going to, it looks like he's going to get a promotion this year back to Premier League where he deserves to be. Um, and Chris uh, gave me the opportunity to, to play again and to be part of an amazing year, Europa League experience. We were in the group stages and made it to the playoffs and just run out of steam a little bit at the end and, and unfortunately lost the semi-finals to Blackpool. Um, and then the next year Lee Clark came who was a friend of mine who I'd known since I was 16 through at Newcastle and through the years and just never quite worked just, we never really had a great working relationship and it was a difficult year and so I was a little bit I was a little bit sick uh, I wouldn't say football but a little bit you know I needed but a I challenge needed a change, yeah. yeah I was like what I was 32 and I'm like I need something different here I, I don't even I wasn't sure if I wanted to play for a championship side. I was just a bit like, where can I go? What do I need? What what do I want? Again, I was on Birmingham. We're cutting financial uh, wage structure, so I knew I was kind of going to leave. And uh, out of the blue, my agent called. I've been talking to Ryan Nelson. He wants you to come to Toronto. Now, I knew Toronto a little bit because Richard Eckersley, who played for us at Burnley, was here and he had been here and, and Wade had visited him for a summer for a few days and said what a great city Toronto is, you have to try it and I remember saying at the time, Toronto like, is that a, I didn't know a thing about the city, like nobody nobody really does and I'm like, he's like it's amazing, it's better than New York and blah blah and I'm like, no way, this guy is crazy, so <laughs> anyway I, um, I had that in the back of my mind and I, I said, okay, great, and uh, I thought, mm, maybe I'll try it, and I said, well, tell Ryan I'll come in July, and uh, my agent said, uh, no, he needs you now, and I just played 45 games for Birmingham, so I was like, I don't think I can go now, I'll, uh, you know, he said, well, call him, tell him, so I went through the back room, said to my wife, I'm going to call Ryan Nelson, tell him I'll be there in July, and we'll go to Florida on holiday, what we had planned, and I came back through 10 minutes later. She said, so did you tell him? I said, I'm a flight to Toronto on Sunday. <laughs> and she said, what? And I said, well, he was persuasive. And again, that started the relationship that I now call Ryan, one of my, my best friends in football. He's an absolutely amazing guy who I've learned so much from. And that's how I ended up here initially on a loan period. Uh, the minute I got here, I'm like, this is it. I just know. I just I always had got feelings and I'm glad to say they were they were right all the time pretty much. So, I got here and I went. This is it. This this team needs me. This city needs me. Football needs me here. It's that they needed a character like me to bring people together. And uh, it was an easy decision. They they wanted me to stay. I stayed. I signed a, a three year deal. Uh, it was amazing playing in MLS. It was such an experience to travel to different cities and to to experience different looking stadiums and different uh, fan bases and different football, different climates. Just everything felt like it was such different. Uh, experience to Premier League or, or Championship football um, and it was growing so much and I joined the best franchise in MLS uh, through a, probably a little bit of luck so I didn't know a lot about all of them obviously but I joined the best one, I joined the one where an organisation that were committed to success, I joined a city that loves football, that is heavily 
uh, has a heavy immigrant base. A lot of people from all over the world who who love the game and who who get the game. And so, yeah, I was I was in love with the place the minute I got here, and I was uh, excited about the project and to be part of that. And yeah, it was it was amazing and it's still amazing to be to be on that run somewhat, to be a part of the organisation, to help it from a grassroots level now to try and sort out where we are in the in the uh, youth space and how we can improve and get better there and um, you know I'm happy to be here and I appreciate the opportunity that Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment have given me and just lastly I know you've got somewhere to be so it won't keep you but what's what's on the cards for you in the future now you captain so many different clubs you've spoken about being a leader do you feel like being a coach would be an option for you in the future yeah, absolutely. It's something that I'm I'm thinking about. I am uh, going back to Scotland to the SFA to finish my A license this summer. So hopefully I can I can pass that and and have my A license, which will mean that you know I can coach. And it's something that I've thought about. I'm in a kind of business role right now, which is exciting and interesting to me. I get to learn numbers and the business side of football, which I think will be a huge benefit to me going forward uh, it's you know a massive uh, area here in North America where you know sponsorship and ticket sales and basically you know the whole business side of the game is really important so I'm lucky enough to be part of that um, I get to work on a lot of football or soccer as we call it here and uh, on TV I work for TSN which is one of the two main um, sports networks here and I do Champions League and Europa League and English Premier League as we call it and uh, MLS so I have a lot of football we've got World Cup coming up next year and Confederations Cup this summer so I'm I'm, I'm very I work a lot <laughs> I work basically two full-time jobs so it's um, it's exciting to learn and to be to be um, involved in the football side but there's always that nagging feeling that you know am I supposed to be a coach or am I supposed to be a general manager or a you know a, in a recruitment role or something like that I, I still kind of miss the game so at some point uh, I've got a big decision to make that I want to be back in the kind of run into the game and is it going to be here in North America or am I going to come home and, and, and find something that is suitable in England You've got plenty of time but I'm sure people would love to see you back at Burnley at some point in the future Oh well fingers crossed because it's a club that I love and uh, you know I keep, I'm saying that for the bottom of my heart it's uh, the best decision I ever made was to get in that car and, and sign that contract and come to Burnley and I'll I've never regretted it for one minute. It was uh, an amazing experience. Brilliant. Well, I'll let you get on, Stephen, but thanks so much for taking the time to, to come and talk to us and all the best with whatever happens for you in the rest of your career. Thanks for having me. And, uh, you know, I totally appreciate it because I spoke for ages. Sorry, I have to go, but thanks again. <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, mate. Bye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.